Hello and welcome to It'll Be Alright in the 90s, the podcast that categorically denies accepting cash for questions, but is nevertheless completely open to paying cash for questions, jokes, anecdotes, gossip, whatever you can offer. I'm Alex Green Party Greenwood and joining me is <laughs> Stu Labour Jocelyn. How are you, Stu? I've got to be honest with you, mate. I'm not great. What's happening? I'm not great. Um, I've, uh, I, I cooked a Thai curry for tea and I've been a bit bit careless with the chilies and uh, I've my, my eyes and my, my one of my nostrils uh, are totally burning oh um so, so always wash your hands kids when you're when you're using chilies <laughs> in the in, in dinner preparation but I'm battling on I'm here we're, we're still here for the record and uh you know nothing nothing uh, nothing gets in the way of the pod for me so uh, we'll be all right we'll be all right I'm sure good there's me thinking you were just getting emotional about the intro but your, your, your eyes are streaming for a different reason. I think that's possibly the best one we've ever written. I say we've ever written. You wrote it. So uh, yeah. but I th- that's pro- possibly the best one we've ever done. And, it, and it's all you. So congratulations. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> I do like a bit of politics. It turns my turns my brain on. You know, I get switched in switched into gear when I talk about politics. So maybe mm-hmm. that um, inspired the intro. Well, we should be in for a good episode tonight then. Yeah, I hope so. Um, before we get into that, though, uh, today's episode is sponsored by Cresta Lemonade. So you can get 20 pence off a two litre bottle of Cresta in any participating happy shopper or spa convenience store. Uh, That's before the end of May and it's while stocks last. Uh, So please don't hang around because we know that uh, it's popular stuff, uh, Cresta Lemonade. Um, And yeah, so that's our episode sponsor for this episode, uh, Cresta Lemonade. It's frothy, man. (laughs) I used to love Cresta with the with the polar bear and the sunglasses yeah. on the on the label. Yeah. yeah, does that offer extend to Chaplin's in caution, which is where which is where I used to pick it up, Cresta, or, or is it just Happy Shopper and Spa? I think it's just Happy Shopper and Spa. I don't think okay. it goes to um to sort of independent convenience stores and corner shops. But I mean, we could ask. No, that's okay. Sure. I'll, I'll go it. to the spa, which is just down the road from the two pigs. Uh, that's that's fine. I can I can go out of my way a little bit to get that. That's fine. Yeah, great. Yeah. Used to be full of spas, didn't it? There was the old one behind Caution Regis. My primary school used to go for my my tangy toms after school, and um... brilliant. I used to get a twist and squeeze from there. Do you remember those? No, what was that? They were, it was um, just like a, a, a very slim plastic bottle of juice, but you just oh um, yes, you just twisted the cap off, and then it was off, and you couldn't, yeah. you couldn't put the cap back on, and it was yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah. I sort of associate them with school fates, much the same as um. Calippos, is that what they call a calypso? I think they were called calypso. Calippo is the, the yeah. ice lolly. Calypso is the drink that you pierce the top, the film on the top, and that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, tasted like <clears throat> sugar watering, wa- sugar <laughs> water, and food coloring, basically. You see, by the I mean, time I got to secondary school, they'd been pretty much replaced unilaterally by the panda pop. Yeah, um, a, a very hostile takeover by panda. Yeah, Pops, wasn't yeah. It, I think. And there was a there was a fashion. When I was at secondary school, and uh, we used to, yeah. do you know it's funny? The funny this should come up. I was thinking about this earlier on. My maths teacher in year seven, Mrs. Merriman, uh, I still see her around in in Chippenham Town Centre sometimes. So, uh, hi, Miss, if you're listening. Um, and we used to be able to get panda pops at uh, at break times and at lunch times, uh, as as I'm sure you well know. And I remember once we were in for, for the lesson after break time, and everybody was was acting uh, acting quite. Uh, you know quite hyperactively and I remember her giving us a bit of a sermon about this rubbish you all drink at break time and it hinders your concentration and you shouldn't have it and all this sort of thing and I remember there being a certain um, 
irony in the fact that she'd probably been in the staff room at break time having about three cups of coffee <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at the same yeah. time but, but now having obviously uh worked in education as well i can i can see the need for that also uh, but anyway back to my point sorry um there was a uh, a craze for and this is possibly because people missed stabbing the straw through the through the top of the calypso i don't know but people would scrape the bottom of the bottle along uh, a wall to create a hole in the bottom of the in the bottom of the bottle mm-hmm. just where the where the bottom of the bottle away a bit yeah. and then squeeze it into their mouth from that bottle in like a super fine like mist <laughs> Um, instead of just taking the top off and, and, and drinking it as any normal person would. Um, I don't know when that died out. Maybe it's still happening. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's been handed down through the generations. But uh, yeah, there oh, we go. That was not happening when I... Did you say this was secondary school? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so this was 2000, not at, 2001? Not happening at Corsham School when I was... Well, I was there at that point, but maybe I was just in a yeah, different Yeah, but you were, you were older and cooler, so I doubt, I doubt you yeah. were seeing happening, you know. You know we, 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 we knew where to hang out. <laughs> I think we've got some correspondence, haven't we? Yeah, we do. We've got a few bits and pieces to read out. Um, shall I go first? Yes, please do. Yeah. Why not? Why not indeed? So, uh, our old friend Alex Mitchell's been in touch, um, and this is regarding the uh, Movies of 1990 podcast, which came out a few weeks ago. Um, he says, with regards to Rocky Five, I always wonder how long Rocky was in Russia for in Rocky Four, because when he leaves, his kid is around four or five, and then when he comes back in Rocky Five, he's a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, which is a, which is a fair point. And he also says, on the point of the ridiculous Home Alone house, do you reckon Peter McAllister is the leader of a drug cartel or something? Because that's the only way he could possibly get enough money to run that house, that amount of people. And take everybody away at Christmas <laughs> yeah, to the other is, side of the world. There is something very suspicious about the uh, the fact that they've got a house that size. Yeah, him. yeah. Um, he must have one hell of a good job. That's all. That, that's all yeah. I can say. Yeah, something's going on there. Mm. Um, well, we know that he's sort of prone to child abuse or child neglect. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was perfectly open to drug smuggling and whatever. Maybe this is something that's expanded upon in the new Home Alone, which came out last year, which which I haven't watched. Maybe maybe, maybe the answer's waiting there. Maybe there's yeah. maybe there's some reference to him being in the being in Nick or something like that, and we we just haven't uncovered it yet. Yeah, there, there should be a spin-off or an origin story about um, the parents. I think <laughs> I'd like to see it. I'd see it like the book of Boba Fett, but for Home Alone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before book, you write it, Kevin's dad. I'm not. I'm not a fan of Star Wars, so I don't know if that's an accurate joke to make. All right, so so please don't write it. I'm just, you know, what, what 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 is a Star Wars origin like? Rogue One? I I honestly don't know. Yeah, something like that. Uh, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, um. Also, just one more bit before we move on. Um. So as promised, I uh put up the the only picture I have. I should have taken some more, but I never did. Sadly, the only picture of my um Fiesta LX in in Ford blue. Uh, which was promised uh, a few weeks back. And uh, legend of the pod, Kate Pro, uh, wrote in and said, my auntie had this car too. And then she tags her auntie into the post and says, could this be the same car? Um, uh, yeah. which, which, which would have been huge if it was true, uh, obviously, yeah. that, that, that 
something so uh, something so coincidental to happen. But then I was worrying about how we would break the news to her aunt that I had allowed her old car to be stolen. Um. Oh, I thought I thought that, that it was that Capro was suggesting that her aunt had had after you and therefore was implicated in no, no, car no, theft. No, no, no. Just that I, th- I think I think the implication was that it was before she'd had it before me. Oh, okay. So, so uh, we okay. We're we're clear on this that Kate Pro's aunt is not uh, a car thief. That's right. Yes. Well, yeah. actually, we're not clear on that. We just know that she definitely didn't steal your car. That's all we can say. Oh, so yeah, that's all we have proof of. Yeah. Yeah. Car crime together will crack it. um, (laughs) (laughs) When was the last time you heard that? Blow me. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so uh, she checked up on it and she she came back to us later on in the day to say it's a shame. uh, Same make, model and colour, but different reg. Uh, Oh, no, she says maybe she bought your stolen car and the reg was changed. But that's too far fetched. I suppose it was only as far fetched as Robocop 2. Um, okay. <laughs> there we go. So yeah. Um, so nothing conclusive there, but all we can say is that Kate Pro's aunt might be a car thief. We can't say either way. Is, is that the line, the official line we're going for? Yeah, now? I think that's the official right, line. Okay. I mean, Kate Pro sounds like she's. I mean, she's putting the idea around, isn't she? She's saying she could. She's put the idea of the changing the number plates. So that's true. It's, it's nothing to do with us. That. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's posited that uh, that theory. Absolutely. Oh, well. I wash my hands of it. Yeah. Move, let's move on let's move on quickly. Out, yeah. <laughs> um yeah okay hannah kelly fletcher also got in touch this was on facebook um this was about our films of 1990 episode from a, a few weeks back and she's given us some nice feedback on it she says uh, just had a listen whilst doing a bit of gardening another great episode thanks for the trip down memory lane uh, thanks, Anna. Uh, I have to agree with Stu about preferring Arnie's fluff movies. They epitomise yes. 90s movies for me. And the mention of arachnophobia brought back a memory of watching it on TV with my older cousins and hiding behind the sofa. Terrifying. Uh, yes, thanks for that, Hannah. I'm glad you also found arachnophobia as scary as I did when I watched it back in the day. And some more Kate Pro Legend of the Pod correspondence here. Um Again, uh, relating to the films of 1990 episode, she says, um, basically she agrees with you, Stu, about the, the issue of the older brother complex, which I think was that lots of 90s films have mean older brothers. Is that mm-hmm. is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. certainly Home Alone, Back to the Future, uh, that kind of thing, yes. And yeah. uh, I, don't, I don't like it very much, it has to be said. Yeah, it was certainly a bit of a trope. Um, Oh yeah, older older siblings and specifically older brothers not being very nice in the nineties. And also, Kate Pro messaged me on WhatsApp um, to say that um, I have just seen the badge line bus holding up traffic on the ring road. Uh, I squealed, um, <laughs> and that's all she said about that. Um, but that obviously <laughs> relates to a one of our previous pod sponsors, Badge yes, Line Buses, yeah. which can only really point to the fact that. Uh, this is the first sign of sponsorship of the pod leading to a revival of a 90s business. I think so. I think, yes, it's obviously that the power of the pod has come through and um, and Badgerline's back on its feet. So, no, c- congratulations to us and to Badgerline and uh, long may it continue. Yeah, long may it continue holding up traffic on the ring road. Lovely to see. What What do you think is the minimum discount we can expect on the... Uh on the buses for that well, well you in particular if it's uh, if they're making a comeback in bristol only i, I probably won't see it over yeah. here in pusey but um... I just, I, yeah i just thought they'd get, i just thought they'd uh, give me a, a child's fair at least for yeah. that 
Um, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. Time for what's the most 90s this week. It's my turn to pose a question to Alex. And quite simply, Alex, I want to know who your most 90s stand-up comedian is this time, please. Mm, yeah, this is a, well, a humdinger. I struggled a bit to pin this down. My first thought was Lee Evans, because I know he was massive, maybe one of the biggest, well, definitely one of the biggest in the 90s. And then I went to Jack D, but then maybe he's a bit too famous like since the 90s. And in the end, I just went for Jethro. He's he's an old school comic. He's sort of pre-alternative comedy. He kind of represents a dying breed of comic, I think, that is um, didn't really last long into the new millennium. Um, but I've never actually seen Jethro. I've never seen any of his stand-up. So I don't mm-hmm. know how accurate that is. But I just think he, he represents that sort of non-alternative comic who, yeah, was sort of pretty big in the 90s but then disappeared very shortly after um mm-hmm. yeah so that was that's that's what i was going for i think uh jethro what about you i actually saw jethro live twice oh, did you? i i can confirm that yes very very much a non-alternative comedian <laughs> <laughs> um sadly of course passed away a few months ago yeah uh, yes so um uh yes yeah, so sadly uh sadly no longer with us but no that's that's a good shout and one of those comedians as well that i remember bringing out a uh, like a, a live VHS every year for the Christmas market, uh, and I think my granddad had a couple, um, which I which I wasn't allowed to watch. Uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm not surprised. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So, um, yeah, no, good choice there. Um, uh, it was between two for me, but I've gone with I have picked one in the end. So, I almost went for a double act in Lee and Herring. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stuart yeah. Lee and Richard Herring, of course, who are now um, uh, since uh, the early 2000s have been working, working separately. Uh, Richard Herring, of course, the probably the father of the, of the comedy podcast. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think we'd agree. Um, but who I have gone for is somebody whose star shone the brightest in the 90s. Uh, and I've gone for Mark Lamar. Yeah, interesting. Um, who obviously was a, a team captain on, on Shooting Stars uh, and then... Began hosting Nevermind the Buzzcocks in 1996 as well. Um, left Buzzcocks in about 2004 or five. I think he did it for for about a decade. Um, and he just he, he broadcasts on uh, on Twitter now. He, he had I think he had a radio show. Uh, big 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 music uh, music man. Um, and he had a he had a sort of late night radio show on Radio Two for a long time where he would he would play records from his personal collection. Um, but now he just, uh, he just, I think he just tweets and just tweets about great music. And uh, he's a great person to follow on Twitter if you're not following him already. Somebody whose comedy star, I think, shone brightest in, in the 90s is is Mark Lamar. So, so, yeah, that's what I'm going for. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, he was very cool. Um, and, yeah, it was like as soon as he left, never mind the Buscocks, they never really recovered. I don't think, did they not? Not fully. Um, I know Simon Amstel was, was quite big and did it for a while, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mark Lamar was just perfect for that sort of thing. Incidentally, I'm watching all of the original shooting stars again on YouTube at the moment. And um, it's one of those things where it's 80% of it is like very much hit and miss. There's like 20, 20% of it, which is like gold. Yeah. And a lot of it doesn't really work. <laughs> and it's one of those things where you've definitely got the rose tinted specs on and you think it was hilarious all the time. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I have 
I do occasionally watch the um, sort of highlight re- highlight reels on YouTube, <clears throat> especially the George Dawes one, which I watch. Oh yeah. yeah. Anytime I'm feeling uh, down. Um, so yeah, that's interesting to know that if you watch it in full, it's not quite as golden as we as we thought. I imagine that's probably true of quite a lot of nineties stuff. Um, although maybe I shouldn't. I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> <I'll>, <laughs> hey, come on, move out. Yeah, we're messing around. We're messing around with our uh, content here. Come on. <laughs> Just before we move on, um, mm-hmm. do you remember last time I gave you the choice between two different pieces of football news, mm-hmm. uh, and you went oh, yeah, for the David Seaman representing Safe Star story? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which yeah. means that I still have the fifty-year-old uh, ex-Premier League player turning out in the southwest story for you. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. If you would like it now. Oh, please. Great. So. Um, if I say the name Joe Tessum to you, does that mean anything? No, nothing. Okay. Well, Joe Tessum uh, was a Norwegian international who played in the Premier League for Southampton. Mm-hmm. Uh, signed for them in 1999. He also played for Millwall and Bournemouth in the UK. Um, and I was on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, as as I do sometimes, as as is my want. Mm-hmm. And uh, I there was a a tweet retweeted from a team called Hyth and Dibden, who play in the Wessex Football League, which is uh, Southampton, Portsmouth, covers that area, Salisbury. Yeah. Um, and the tweet was uh, Joe Tessum still doing it at the age of 50. And I had oh, to, of wow. course, click, clicked on the link and the, there he is scoring a fantastic goal for, for Hyth and Dibden. And it turns out he's been turning out for them since 2018. He's scored 13 goals in 63 games. Before that, he played for another Hampshire side, Totten and Ealing, uh, eight goals in 97 appearances. Um, and he's still turning out uh, in, in the semi-pro leagues in England at the age of 50. Uh, yeah, so, so there you go, former Premier League and uh, international uh, attacking midfielder Joe Tessum still turning it on in the Wessex League. Oh, that's lovely. It's, it's nice when you can sort of hear about these players who obviously just love the game so much that mm-hmm. they just... They'll play at whatever level. It's it doesn't matter if they're getting paid big bucks for it or not. They'll just you know they'll keep playing. That's a bit like Jamie Curson, You know, you just get the sense that he he'll never stop playing as long as he can actually do it physically. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's really Barry nice. Hales is another one I think who was um, who went on for a long time. I'm not sure if yeah. he's still playing, but he certainly was still at the age of sort of 46 or or 47 the last time I saw. So no fantastic and if the if the body can still do it then uh, then why not although it's a question that i ask myself on a weekly basis uh, <laughs> but on this evidence i've got a few years to go yet we're now going to get into the, the 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 meat of the of the episode uh which is of course uh uk politics in the 90s so um this is the first is it the first kind of serious issue uh, issue we've done, I think we've done sort of media and popular culture. Yeah, men, I think but... it is really in ter- in terms of heavy news and and actual world events that that you know changed the course of uh, or, or you know had an effect on history uh, in in a way that that uh, pop culture can't. Then then yeah, no, I think it is, and I'm sure we'll examine this with the same expert eye that we have with <laughs> that we have everything yeah. else that we've spoken about. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. What did politics mean to you in the '90s? Obviously, we were both pretty young. I mean, I I finished the '90s aged 14, um, and you would have been what 12, I guess, 11 or 12. Uh, yes, 12. Yeah, the 12th birthday in, in December '99. Yeah. Yeah. So I sorry, guess... no, 11. 11th birthday. I do apologize. Yeah. 
so we were both pretty young but yeah do you do you have any memories sort of general memories before we get into our more sort of personal choices i remember uh the 97 uh election the labor landslide um I just, I just remember it being a huge uh, a huge event. I remember Michael Portillo losing his seat at about half past two in the morning being mm. a huge thing. Um, I remember the, the only vivid memory I have is because obviously elections are always on a Thursday. And um, back in those days, we my parents and I used to go to uh, my grand and granddad's for a dinner on a Thursday night. And the uh, polling station was was just over the road at the community centre so they all went to vote in shifts and obviously somebody stayed at the house with me and they all went to vote and I remember asking everybody when they came back who they'd voted for and I remember my nan telling me she'd voted for Father Christmas uh, <laughs> nice. obviously because a vote yeah, as as correctly because a vote should be uh, uh, you know should should be kept yourself if that's the way you want to keep it yeah. Um, so yeah that, that that's the first big memory I have of uh, of, of politics and, and what it meant and and uh, and how it works yeah yeah i'm kind of the same um 97 was the first one i really remember but i have vague memories of the tories before that and john major being the pm and stuff like that but um we'll, we'll get into it a bit more now with our things we do remember and, and things we do want to talk about from the decade um do you want to start with what the first thing you want to talk about is i certainly can yeah so i've actually gone with a couple of things that affected me directly uh, and they're both from the end of the decade. So my first two are from 1999. And uh, I want to talk about the 20th of January 1999 uh, specifically, which is the day that the news broke that uh, Paddy Ashdown was going to resign as the leader of the Liberal Democrats after 11 years. This was big news in the West because he had been the MP for Yeovil since 1983. Um, so, so he was, uh, so he was a Southwest MP. Um, also, what happened on the twentieth of January, nineteen ninety nine, is that HTV News came to Caution Primary School to film an item on us. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember what it was about, and I wasn't involved directly, but I remember there was huge excitement around the school. We all saw the cameras. Um, we all, we all, we were all aware of what was going on. I remember the cameras being in the playground. Uh, during uh, during playtime and everybody trying to sort of play near the cameras so that, so that they could uh, possibly get into some shots. Um, yeah. But then Paddy Ashton resigned the same day that, or said he was going to resign the same day that this was filmed, which meant that the following day on HTV News, almost the entire programme was taken up with the Paddy Ashton story and the caution primary thing got about five seconds. And I remember there being a brief clip inside one of the classrooms where I recognised a couple of kids in the year above me. But that was it. And the whole the whole thing got bumped. Um, <laughs> um, so that, that's 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 my first uh, my first memory. Obviously, he he'd had a little bit of trouble in, in 1992 when the um, the famous uh, Paddy Pantsdown front page mm -hmm. yeah. uh, front page yeah. was published when some allegations about about his private life were published by um, by a tabloid newspaper. Um, I'm not sure if I've spoken about this before, but we did eventually get uh, our moment in the sun on the local news when 
Caution Primary School became the first primary school in the region to allow Pokemon cards on site uh, for for use at break time and lunchtime. And we got on the um, and we got on the news um, regarding that because it was such an outlandish thing. You know, schools have been banning them all over the place, um, mm-hmm. and it was such a such a story that, that we got on the news. And I did actually, you you could see me on that on that item um, in in one of the playground shots. So I did achieve my goal in the end. Um, but yeah, Paddy Ashdown resigning has always stuck in my mind because of that. And also just a, a general point about HTV News, which was that, I mean, I realise it's, it's the biggest part of the region and, and everything like that. And, and not only that, but the studio was also based in Bristol. But there always seemed to be far much more Bristol news and Yeovil news than there was anything to do with Wiltshire. Um, yeah. Which often annoyed me because I thought there must be something going on in Wiltshire which is newsworthy but it was always it was almost always about about Bristol um well and, I think uh, I think you've kind of just shown why the news was mainly about Bristol when <laughs> when the news story from Wiltshire was Pokemon training going on <laughs> in a primary school in that's Bristol. it I've answered my own question the, the mystery is solved I mean Brilliant. I think a lot of people were probably people who aren't from Wiltshire listening to this are probably thinking well it must have been a slow day news-wise in Wiltshire for that episode but no that was a big news day in Wiltshire um Pokemon training card I'm also picturing yeah. you in the back of the shot sort of like one of those people who takes bets at the horse racing you know you've got your sort mm-hmm. of long overcoat and you're stood on a box everyone's crowding <laughs> around you and you're like you've got the, all the Pokemon cards in your hand that's that's well, the image I have in my mind the irony is I wasn't interested in Pokemon I didn't care oh. about it. I, I never played with the cards or anything. So all I was interested in was getting my mug on the screen. That was all. Oh, okay. And so I had to pretend, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is, have you got any footage of that? I don't suppose you've recorded on the VHS. Unfortunately not, no. Um, okay, for, so my first choice of something that sort of stands out from 90s politics for me sort of follows on a little bit from something you just mentioned there, which was the, um, the Paddy Pants Down headline, because mm. my... The first thing I want to talk about is Sun newspaper headlines, or maybe more broadly tabloid newspaper headlines. But um, I think Sun newspaper headlines really stand out. So there were some key ones from the 92 election, um, especially as usual around this time. And for a lot of the time post 90s, the Sun had uh, plumped for the Tories um, and they were giving them their full backing. Um, so in the 92 election, it was um, Neil Kinnock was standing for the Labour Party and then um, John Major was obviously standing for the mm-hmm. Tories. Uh, the Sun choosing Major uh, and trying to sort of uh, smear the, the Labour candidate and MPs wherever possible ran the headline, will the last person to leave Britain turn out the lights? Um, and it had a picture of uh, Neil Kinnock's head sort of superimposed on a light bulb. Um, and it was a like a big headline and it's sort of gone down in history mm-hmm. as this sort of sort of big slam of of the opposition and some say you know it really uh put paid to to Kinnick's chances of winning the election and then sure enough major one with a kind of a su- relatively surprising victory i think um and then the following day the sun ran the headline uh, it's the sun what won it which is um another infamous headline uh, of the era and still gets referenced today and I think actually um, it, it gets used as an example to show how media sort of intrusion or not necessarily intrusion but the media can have a, a possibly a worrying power over election results because 
um, they then the Sun switched their allegiances to the to the Labour Party in '97, and obviously Labour won that. Um, and then I think the headline was the Sun Sun backs Blair or something. So again, mm-hmm. just making it very clear on the headline front page headline who they're supporting. And as far as I know, I think I've heard this that the Sun has always backed the the candidate that ended up winning, and it's obviously still going on to this day. And I guess that raises a lot of questions about um, how, yeah, the power of the media when it comes to free and open elections and, and if there's anything that can be done about that, and if there's anything that should be done about it. Um, but then there's also the sort of headlines about sleaze and tittle-tattle that was, is always a part of politics. So there was like the David Meller incident with the, um, mm-hmm. with the, um, when he's having, a, ha- having an affair uh, with the actress. Um, I think the headline was... Uh, toe job to no job because there was something about um some foot fetish uh element to the to the affair and then he lost it david Mella had to resign as a result of that was there something to um, do with the chelsea kit as well yeah and or there was another you? headline was that yeah. Mella made love in chelsea strip um again <laughs> front page headline um it just feels like the early 90s and the mid 90s was sort of the high point or the low point depending on how you look at it of of tabloid front pages Mm-hmm. sort of being involved in politics and having a, a big impact on politics um it probably does still happen today to a certain extent i think in the 2015 election was it was the um um what's his name ed Miliband eating the bacon sandwich was that a front yeah front room yeah image? yes it um, was. stuff like that um so they do obviously still have an impact but i think those ones in the night just really stood out i just think it was a big a big time for tabloid front pages um back in the 90s and yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, if if you go if you go over to to, to football, one of our other favourite subjects, obviously, there's the famous um, Graham Taylor turnip. Yeah. Uh, course, front page, yeah. which 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 possibly hastened his um, hastened his removal as as England manager. Yeah. Um, and coincidentally, this afternoon, I've just finished the. I don't know if you've seen it yet. The two part documentary on Paul Gascoigne, which is uh, oh yes, course, which yeah. has been on the BBC recently, and the amount of power that the press wielded in his life um i mean they pretty much ruined both his football career and his personal life um yeah. and it's quite a shocking and um and harrowing watch in, in, at, at points um do they have do they have as much power anymore in, in an internet age um and where obviously newspaper circulation will uh, naturally have, have have reduced because now people mostly get their news from the internet and yeah and and and, and twitter and, and places like that Possibly yeah. not. Yeah, good um, point. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. only have to look at stuff like um Trump and conspiracy theories like QAnon and stuff to just see how much power the so- social media has. Yeah. Yeah. Where where sort of there are no rules in the way that even tabloids had, mm-hmm. you know, certain rules about what they could and couldn't post and were uh, you know, victims of libel law um and whatnot. But um so yeah, you're right, I think it's it's not quite as powerful as it was. Um, well, yeah. Suffice it to say that I hope one day to see a world where the Sun newspaper doesn't exist at all. Um, yes. Yeah. That's 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 my own cross to bear. Uh, that is that is one one company that will never be sponsoring this pod. So uh, absolutely don't worry not about that. Okay. What's what was the second thing you wanted to? Uh, yes. Recall? Talking of news, I'd like to read you something if I can. Hmm. This is from the 26th of May 2000, uh, and the headline is, this is from the Wiltshire Gazette and Herald. 
headline is schools minister gets a grilling from pupils. Education and Employment Secretary David Blunkett faced tough policy questions when he faced a children's council at Caution Primary School on Monday. Youngsters quizzed Mr Blunkett about reducing class sizes and the qualities that made a good school when he visited to open a new classroom. Mr Blunkett scorned the government Jaguar in favour of a pillion ride on a Harley Davidson motorbike, but his guide dog Lucy followed in the car. He enjoyed a tour of the school and stopped for a chat in the reception class where three little girls called Lucy were invited to shake hands with the politician and pat Lucy the dog. He was very relaxed, relaxed and approachable, said head teacher Fiona Allen. The children were able to chat to him and they loved it. One pupil told Mr Blunkett how much they enjoyed the literacy and numeracy hours. I'm very pleased to hear that, he replied. Caution Primary School, which has 380 pupils, received nearly £90,000 funding from the new classroom and an extra teacher from the government's infant class size grant. Mr Blunkett said, I congratulate the head teachers, staff, governors and pupils on their hard work and commitment, which has helped to produce excellent test results for 11 year olds in English and maths last year. So that's the story. Uh, this comes a couple of months before I leave Caution Primary School and, and head to uh, and head to secondary school. Um, I was not directly involved in this. I was in the school council in year five. Uh, so and this was when I was in year six. So if I'd have been a year later, I would have got to uh, I'd have got to show him round. However, my friend Mike Dutton uh, was was on the school council at the time I remembered. And I messaged him earlier on and asked him if he had any memories of the day. Uh, and I'll just read you what he sent me. Here we go. So he says, uh, my memory is that he was really warm and nice, seemed to actually listen and be interested in everything that we had to say, which was nice for an adult. And what a guy. He was clearly cool as he was allowed to bring a dog into school. A novel situation for a primary school kid trying to empathise with a blind person and be conscious of being helpful without patronising. Certainly a good life lesson. Uh, so thanks, Mike, for helping me out with that. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, this is something that, that sticks in my mind as well. Um, we had a, we had a, a proper front bench uh, minister uh, come, come to visit us at Caution Primary um, yeah. with his guide dog. And um, yeah, there, there, there were pictures, uh, pictures in the local press and, and all sorts of things like that. I did come across yesterday. I was in Bath yesterday and I came across a copy of David Blunkett's autobiography in a secondhand bookshop. Uh, I had a flick through the index. Unfortunately, <laughs> Caution Primary School isn't mentioned. <laughs> uh, did you look under motorcycle pillion riding? <laughs> I just didn't. in case it was under that. I only looked under C for Caution, I'm afraid. I'm sorry, but I, I should have done. You're quite right. Um, but yeah, there was there was a lot of buzz around this as well. And um, as I say, I wasn't directly involved in it, but, but I've always I've always remembered it. And uh, yeah, the Caution Primary School then was uh, Mrs. Allen, my, my, my head teacher, had had sort of turned it around, really. And it was a very, very high performing school by then. And um, I don't remember anything about the the new classroom they talk about either. It might, it might have possibly have been built, I suppose, after uh, I left. Although I've just realised that in the article it says he visited to open a new classroom. So it must have been built while I was there. Um, but I don't remember anything about it or, or where it was. Um, this is a real great story, isn't it? <laughs> to be honest, it sounds like I, I'm starting to think that maybe this money didn't go to a new classroom. It was actually funneled off into uh, someone's <laughs> pocket or or something else. I mean, it's not the sort of thing I would put past Caution County Primary from from my hey, what I hear right. about the school. All right, um, just all right. Let's not um, have any of that. Come on. Anyway, we, St. Patrick's were our um, were our turf rivals. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They're right next door. We shared shared boundaries with them. Yeah. 
Uh, it got really nasty, didn't it? The the county primary St. Patrick's uh, turf war. It really did. It really did at points. Yeah, there was. <laughs> we had to send a delegation once. I remember that. A delegation of uh, of year sixes went over to St. Patrick's to talk about what was happening at uh, at lunch times. <laughs> I mean, I had an idea. Just build a fence, man. I mean, there, there, that's the thing. There was no barrier, so you could just you could just walk over, and there was there was nothing there. So yeah. You know, take take some of that ninety grand and build a fence. That's <laughs> yeah, simple to me, and I'm eleven. I can tell you that fence building but... diplomacy, they call that. <laughs> Not bridge building, fence building. Um, but yeah, just another another something that that sticks in my mind. Um, oh bollocks! Twenty sixth of May two thousand. What have I done? <laughs> I was I was about to ask you to repeat the date um, because oh. I was a little bit uh, nonplus just. To... <sighs> <laughs> I'll just rub a little more chilli in my eyes as well. So. Um, um, look, I joined, is... I joined year six in 1999, all right? and that's the school year I was in when this took place. So yeah, are we just going to start counting in the year 2000 as part of the 90s? I think we're going to have to. <laughs> so much great stuff happened in 2000. It's, it's, it is very tempting. <laughs> I think you can just about get it in there based on the fact that, yes, you joined that year yeah, in 99. Yeah, okay. And... I think Blunkett was uh, was very much an established name in uh, in the nineties. All right, that's not as bad as the Californication thing, but bloody hell, no. I really I've really got to tighten up on this. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, well, let's move swiftly along before please do your, your head goes any further. Can we just um, pause for a couple of minutes, mate? I've got to go and wash my face because I, I I actually can't <laughs> see anything at the moment. Give me give me two seconds, mate. Well, that was uh, a dramatic end to <laughs> second choice. Um, <laughs> it's never Let's... boring is it um okay i'll move on to my second one um which is another sort of general theme very kind of connected to my first choice really with the uh the tabloids uh which is uh 90s political satire mm-hmm. again i mean i don't really i don't have any experience of the 80s this may sound naive to anyone who's a bit older than us and you know remembers the birth of alternative comedy and stuff but um it feels to me like the 90s was a sort of a really high point for political satire my 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 memories and my knowledge of pre-97 politics in this country so the tories you know um the major government is almost all comes from uh spitting image i i Mm. I didn't really watch it that much because i was too young but i must have seen bits here and there because all of those politicians of that government like Douglas Hurd, Norman Lamont, um, uh, Michael Portello, all those people I think of as their spitting image puppets. So, you know, Douglas Hurd had the Mr. Whippy hair. Michael Portello was sort of in a tank. I seem to remember like a little tank he'd be driving around in because he was a uh, defense secretary. John Major, John Major's puppet was, was gray when mm-hmm. everyone else's was, was in color. Stuff like that. It kind of really stands out in my mind. Um, and I know, I know spitting image was, started in the 80s but um we're still going strong in the early 90s and then um how i got news for you started in the 90s the first episode premiered on the 28th of september 1990 so right at the start of the decade and that's obviously still going today as a, as a series currently on now uh, with the same two um team captains so that was like a big thing i think for mm-hmm. for then for the 90s and there were some iconic moments from that program in the 90s like um it was Roy Hattersley um, didn't turn up as a guest, so they replaced him with a tub of lard. 
Amos Lee, and then there's Ian Hislop and Clive Anderson uh, eviscerating Piers Morgan uh, mm-hmm. when he was the editor of the Daily Mirror because um, he came on and was just classic Piers Morgan. Tragic tale of a two-ton hippo who swallowed a tennis ball in Germany. Surely you must have covered that in the Daily Mirror. Yes, I know. Very well, page five story. What do you know about newspaper editing, Clive? (laughs) About as much as you do. (laughs) (laughs) Dear (laughs) dear Clive, so you plunge merrily deeper. I know it's not fair because the Mirror now is almost as good as the Sun. The last time I was rude to you, you said photographers are out of my doorstep the next day, so I'm not doing that again. Mm-hmm. You uh, won't see them this time. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he is charming, isn't he? <laughs> so don't try the popularity line with me, Hislop. Why? Does anybody here like it? Do you like him? Anybody actually like him? <laughs> I may not know much about editing newspapers, uh, Piers, but Ian is a regular on this show. You can all come to see Ian. <laughs> We're strangers. They don't like us. They've never heard of us. <laughs> Although I wasn't cheering then, I must say. <laughs> and then, yeah, like I said, alternative comedy started in the 80s, obviously, but um, I think it really continued into the 90s. And a lot of uh, comedians who uh, got really big maybe into the 2000s or still going strong now, I think sort of started in the 90s. So you got, in terms of political comedians, people like Alexis Sale, Mark Steele and, and Jeremy Hardy. Uh, Jeremy Hardy, obviously sadly no longer with us but they're all we're still going into the 2000s but they were really cut their teeth i think in the 90s probably died down a lot with the the, uh, the new labor election victory but but still i think yeah political satire of the 90s i think was was really strong and and quite cutting and you know still a legacy of the uh the thatcher era which only came to an end in in 1990 so you know it did actually go into the 90s a little bit um Mm-hmm. No, cool. I, I I picked up on Have I Got News For You. Well, yeah, I mean, I was, Sam's very young, but um, probably when I was in year six, around about 99, 2000, and um, a bit like Shooting Stars, which which I spoke about earlier with Martin Lamar, is that I was allowed to watch these things, and I, I probably didn't really understand a lot of what was going on at the time. But on the other hand, I knew that it was funny. And um, it's the same with... What I spoke about in Match Magazine in the in the last episode, um, you learn a lot about politics and the wider world in general from from watching these things and and, and absorbing them. Yeah. Um, and having having looked back at obviously the, the the shows that were broadcast before I picked up on it, one of my favourite uh, have I got news for you moments is when there's a Euro MEP who's come on called uh, I think his name's Teddy Taylor or something like that, and um, he. He's one of these people that doesn't understand the programme that he's come on to. It's like when, again, Shooting Stars, when Larry Hagman went on Shooting Stars and he, he did not understand what was happening to him. Mm. This Teddy Taylor thought that Have I Got News For You was a, a serious political discussion programme. Yeah. And every, every like joke they made, he spent about five minutes trying to deconstruct it and say why that was unfair and what was, you know, what was wrong about it. And, so-and-so is a good person and all this sort of thing um so yeah. i'm sure there's clips of it online but um yeah that's one that i always enjoy when i look back at it but i mean as you say still going strong again the uh, 32 32 years now and, and yeah fantastic long may it continue and obviously there are other things that have come up in its uh in its trail things like mock the week and and, and that sort of thing but uh have i got news for you still still the original and best for sure do you have a third thing to uh to bring yeah. to us let me just double check the date I mean, I'm so fed up of this I'm so fed up of letting letting everybody down and I 
I don't know how I could have made this mistake again. I really don't. But the thing is, it's recorded now, so we're going to have to put it out and then everyone will know. Right. <laughs> um, I want to talk about Wednesday, the 2nd of July, 1997, which is another specific date that sticks in my mind. Uh, and this is the date that the first budget was delivered by the new Labour government. Um, so they'd come in a couple of months before in the May, which we've already discussed. And their first budget was on the 2nd of July. Now, I've had a look on YouTube and... It must have been broadcast on both channels. And I have had a look at the, the Radio Times uh, genome on the BBC website to confirm this. And it was the, the budget was broadcast live that afternoon uh, on, on both the BBC and ITV. The main reason I remember this is because, of course, if you're broadcasting it on a weekday afternoon, that means that there's no CBBC or CITV. Um, uh, and I remember turning on the TV that afternoon when I got in from school, expecting uh, my favourites, Sooty and Co., um, possibly Sabrina the Teenage Witch so maybe 97 is a bit early for that I don't know and to, to be faced with uh, the House of Commons uh, lots of people in suits the big red box the dispatch box yeah um, and just just being absolutely devastated and being being forced to, to go and do something like playing outside instead um, and this was something that this was something that happened then regularly as uh, throughout the years a couple of times a year uh, the the, the kids TV shows would be, would be taken off for an afternoon and it'd be replaced by the budget. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's just something that's always, always stuck in my mind as a huge disappointment when it came round. That's about the worst thing you can interrupt a kids TV program with, isn't it? I think. I think so. Yeah. I mean, very, I mean, obviously important, but very, very dry. Um, yeah. And I want to know who's actually sitting there watching the whole four or five hours of it. Yeah. You know, and, and taking it all in. Obviously this is in the days before, uh, rolling news channels and, yeah. and 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 more than more than five channels on the TV for for, for most people, um, so that so there wasn't a lot of choice. And now there are dedicated uh, children's TV channels, there are dedicated uh, news channels, so so they wouldn't need to in this day and age. And there's something really really important that happened. They wouldn't need to take Garden Rescue off on a on a Wednesday afternoon to to show the budget. Mm. Um, I spoke about this with my dad. As, as I often do, I often run these float these things past him in, in the run-up to a record to see if he's got anything to say. And uh, he said that when he was growing up in the 1970s, um, the TUC conference used to be broadcast live on the TV, uh, and that was even drier. So, <laughs> so, so, so there's obviously a history, of, uh, a history of these things happening. But yes, it's just something that's always always stuck with me and uh, the, the the budget 97 in particular for some reason I always I always recall that um so yeah it's the removal of children's tv for a day uh for the budget on on the major tv channels which I thought was wrong at the time and I still think it's wrong now <laughs> yeah I suppose that's that's the one good thing about switching kids tv to separate channels and moving away from the the five terrestrial channel only situation mm -hmm. we used to have is that your kids tv schedule is no no longer interrupted but um aside from that i do still think we should go back to having children's bbc and citv on a weekday afternoon um up until half five six o'clock and well i mean point yeah. that starts at quarter past five let's not you know let's not uh Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, let's not mess with that. You know, yes. they can go to have you know have three o'clock till quarter past five, and then that's plenty. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, but no, yeah. totally agree. Yeah, um, of course, it used to be neighbours. I think in our day after Children BBC, that was always the sign that it was all over, and you know, yeah. time to have 
time to have supper. Um, <laughs> but yeah, got, I mean, good choice. Your, your first introduction to politics was was tinged with melancholy um, and frustration. So mm-hmm. uh, setting you up, um, I think, for 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 your adult life of melancholy yeah, and frustration. Yeah. <laughs> I meant it specifically in relation to politics, but um, <laughs> I guess, yeah, with anything, really. <laughs> Go on, what's your final one? My final one, I'm going to sort of run down what I think the the most significant moments of 90s politics were. Just like three or four things which I think really defined a decade rather than just choosing one. So I'd say, uh, yeah, four things, really. Uh, Thatcher stepping down in um, the end of 1990, so she'd obviously had this mm-hmm. sort of revolt from uh, led by her her own MPs who sort of ousted her from the party, led to the famous scene of her leaving Number Ten with with tears in her eyes and that sort of famous shot of her looking out the back window. So that was massive. I mean, she'd been prime minister for like um, since '79, mm-hmm. so 11 years. That was crazy. And then there was the Black Wednesday, which was on uh, 16th of September 1992. And this is something I have never understood. I don't know what it is. Don't understand <laughs> what it means. I can read all I I can about it, um, by which, of course, I mean the Wikipedia entry, but something to do with the UK government withdrawing the pound from the European exchange rate mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't understand it. I don't understand how money works or anything, but I'm told it was very significant. Then there's the, the Good Friday Agreement, which was... A massive thing obviously changed the course of uk and irish politics pretty much to this day that was in 1998 and i think yeah the good friday agreement sort of meant that people like us grew up in a much safer uk and ireland and then i think the i think the number one most defining thing of the 90s was was the 97 election that was mm-hmm. such a turning point it was a turning point for who was in charge, obviously, been Tories for 11 years and then went to Labour, which then lasted until 2010, I guess. Yeah, 2010. Yeah. And it was also a turning point for Labour, becoming new Labour, uh, which was a sort of new identity for them. And it was just like a whole different, just feels like before that and after that, just completely different times. I know that's sort of coloured by the fact that we were at an age where we were becoming conscious of it. So 97 was the point at which we started to understand what was going on a bit. So that's probably feeding into it a lot. But I mean, I can't imagine what a change that must have been like for well, for our parents' generation to have, whether they were Tories or, or Labour supporters or what. But that, that was the defining era, I think, of the of the 90s. And it was obviously soundtracked by um, D-Ream uh, and Things Can Only Get Better. Of course. Um I looked up D-Ream when I was researching this because I wanted to know. I'm sort of fascinated about the sort of one-hit wonder bands and where they are now. So I did, I did have to have, look, have a look and see what they were up to. And sadly, they don't seem to have really done much since uh, things can only get better, with the exception, of course, of um, uh, Brian Cox, who went on to become a famous um, National TV presenter, scientist. But yeah, they've released two albums since 1995 one in 2011 one in 2021 neither of them charted um but i did notice that they released the greatest hits album in 97 they'd only had two albums before that they (laughs) they did that thing that bands some bands do when they get like a one-hit wonder of releasing a greatest hits when they've only got two albums out Mm. which is you can't do that can you you can't i don't think so no how many album tracks are on there yeah (laughs) yeah 
I mean, it's just it'd be half one album and half the other album. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I also I should also point out that uh, '97 saw the first openly gay politicians elected to UK Parliament, uh, Ben Bradshaw and Stephen Twigg, and I thought that was that was worth a mention as a, uh, a significant mm-hmm. moment in LGBTQIA plus uh, history. So that was very nice, and yeah, I just thought those those four things were the defining things i think of the of the decade cool we've had a bit of co- uh, correspondence just in about the uh, about the black wednesday erm thing uh, okay. which may help us to shed some light on it so this is from our uh, correspondent george alty he says i was on a nato exercise at linham on black wednesday when interest rates were set to move to 15 percent to make people buy the pound the evaluating officer was having kittens as his mortgage would have been some stratospheric number Nobody bought sterling, so we pulled out of the ERM. Is that is that clear it up for you? <laughs> kind of. I don't really understand the concept of buying money, but um, <laughs> maybe I'm just. I know some places in Chippenham you can buy money if you want to. <laughs> I'll fill you in afterwards. Okay. Um, yeah. That's, so... a that, that's a joke. I don't. I don't. <laughs> um, he does listen. I don't know. Um. Yeah, we actually had some correspondence as well from uh, Kevin, friend of the pod, Kevin, on Facebook uh, for his choices as well. Uh, he said there's some fairly obvious momentous political moments in the 90s. So uh, New Labour's seismic win in 97, the Good Friday Agreement, etc. Um, but a less totemic one, I guess, which always springs to my mind when I think back to the 90s, is the Jeremy Paxman interview of Michael Howard on Newsnight in May 1997. He asked Howard the same question. uh, Did you threaten to overrule him 12 times? Uh, It was the first moment that it really hit home just how evasive and obstructive politicians can be when it comes to the truth. I was entitled to express my views. I was entitled to be consulted. Did you threaten to overrule him? I was not entitled to instruct Derek Lewis and I did not instruct him. And did the you truth threaten of, to overrule the, him? The truth of the matter is that Mr. Marriott was not suspended. Did you I did not, to overrule him? I did not overrule Derek did Lewis. Did you threaten to overrule him? I took advice on what I could or could not did do. Did you threaten to I overrule him, Mr. Howard? I scrupulously in accordance with that advice. I did not overrule Derek Lewis. Did you Lewis. threaten to overrule him? Mr. Marriott him? was not suspended. Did you threaten to overrule him? I have accounted for my decision to dismiss just uh amazing uh moment of 90s tv and 90s politics in one so um uh yeah so thanks for that kev nice correspondence so yeah that just about wraps up our our very quick overview of the decade in politics some big moments some smaller moments some some rather large moments on the pod itself with um (laughs) uh certain certain dates being thrown around um <clears throat> but um i enjoyed it yeah i think it was felt a bit strange a bit out of our comfort zone doing something a bit more serious like that but um yeah i mean i think I'm, I think I'm gonna blame the chili for the for the date mix up um <laughs> you did pre-warn us actually so i did i did and i can only apologize again i was just so so taken with the memory of it that uh, felt to fail to realize i was five months in the uh five months in the wrong direction but it's it's becoming a bit of a thing for me on this pod, isn't it? So it'll probably happen again, but I'll, uh, I'll just apologise now. No, come on. Keep your head up. <laughs> we go again. We go again. We go again. Um, just a little note. I've just realised uh, I'm drinking Caffrey's, the official brown ale of the pod, 
No, sorry, it's not the official. What am I saying? The official Irish ale of the mm-hmm. pod. Yes, please. The official brown ale is is Stones, of course. Um, but I noticed that it was founded in 1897, so it is a 90s ale. There so we are. Get it in there. What more um, can you ask? Thank you again to Caffrey's for mm. providing the um, for the drinks, providing the drinks for for the pod um, at just a small expense to us. Um, so yes, like I mentioned, if you want to get in contact with us about anything you've heard in today's episode, we would love to hear from you. But also anything in previous episodes, any of the What's the Most 90s, if you've got any ideas for what we should cover in What the Most 90s, What's the Most 90s, let us know. You can do so on Twitter at allright90s, email allright90s at gmail.com, facebook.com forward slash allright90s. All of those are just letters, no numbers. And also we're on Instagram uh, using allright.90s.podcast. And yes, we'd love to hear from you. Um, Stu, if you wouldn't mind doing the the goodbyes, because I messed (laughs) up so badly last time, I can't do it. Well, we should probably just mention that next time we'll be talking uh, cigarettes and alcohol in the 90s with brother of the pod, Adam Greenwood. Oh, yes. Uh, so, yes, if you've got anything on that, do do write in as well, because um, that's our next episode coming up. We're also going to have a huge announcement in that episode regarding uh, regarding a little project we've been working on. Yes. So, uh, yeah, please do tune in for that. But until then, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. See you next time. Ta-ta. Bye. I have a fucking nightmare is what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's all gone wrong. Oh, no. Oh, I've been dear. talking about the year 2000 again. They said they'd kick me off if I did this again. What am I going to do? <laughs>